0: Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13.
1: Hello, and welcome back to First, Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Medical abortion has been available in the United States since it was approved by the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA, in the year 2000. Mifepristone also known as RU486, and the abortion pill, is currently approved for use up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. A 10-week-old unborn baby is only about an inch and a half long, but she is fully formed with arms, legs, head, face, and a beating heart. Mifepristone cuts off her blood supply by attacking progesterone receptors in the placenta, thereby stopping her beating heart. Mizoprostol, the second drug in the medical abortion process, is taken one to two days after mifepristone and causes uterine contractions, leading to expulsion of the dead baby. This usually happens in the mother's home, where she is alone. The baby is then flushed. This gruesome scene is replayed hundreds of times a day in the USA. Mothers undergo physical, emotional and spiritual trauma, while the abortion industry gets richer. Currently, 50% of all abortions are medical abortions. In just 20 years, abortion in the United States, which had been 100% surgical, are now 50% surgical and 50% medical. Why the dramatic increase? As is the case in most things, one has only to follow the money. Medical abortion requires very little overhead. There is also less attention placed on a process where a woman goes home to have her own abortion alone. Sometimes she has severe complications Sometimes she dies. Abortion facilities avoid the bad PR which arises when an ambulance is called to an abortion clinic. The woman is left to call her own ambulance from her home if she has the wherewithal to do so. Many people are now fighting back against this largely silent atrocity. This evil is being exposed, and people are going to war to defeat this dragon. One such warrior is Dr. George Delgado, who founded the Abortion Pill Reversal Project, which has rescued hundreds of babies and helped give their mothers a second chance at life. Today you will hear part one of my recent interview with Dr. Delgado. Let us first, as always, begin with prayer. First stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer. Prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy. Prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls. Will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. Revelation chapter 12 verses 13 to 18 reads this way. When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to the earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she could fly to her place in the desert, where, far from the serpent, she was taken care of for a year, two years, and a half a year. The serpent, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a current, but the earth helped the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed the flood that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. O God, help us to give wings to the woman who is pursued by the dragon. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, here is part one of my interview with Dr. George Delgado. Joining me now is Dr. George Delgado. Dr. Delgado is the president of the Steno Institute, a nonprofit research institute established in 2018 with a goal of furthering research, education, and awareness around abortion pill reversal. Dr. Delgado was one of the pioneers of abortion pill reversal and established the Abortion Pill Reversal Network. He has authored or co-authored three articles in peer-reviewed medical journals regarding abortion pill reversal and mifepristone abortion. Dr. Delgado received his medical degree from UC Davis and completed his residency at Santa Monica Hospital associated with UCLA. He is a board-certified family physician, and he's also board-certified in hospice and palliative care. Dr. Delgado completed the one-year certification program in health ethics offered by the National Catholic Bioethics Center. He has been a member of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists Board of Directors since 2012. Dr. Delgado is a regular guest on the highly acclaimed Catholic Answers Live program with Cy Collette, heard on EWTN Radio Network. Dr. Delgado was selected to receive the St. Gianna Mola Pro-Life Award at the 2017 Walk for Life West Coast. In April of 2018, Heartbeat International awarded him a Servant Leader Award. Solidarity HealthShare granted him its Pro-Life Innovator Award in 2019. In January, on the eve of the March for Life in Washington, D.C., in 2021, Heartbeat International granted him the Legacy Award. The Catholic Medical Association presented him with the Evangelium Vitae Award at its annual conference in 2021. So that's a lot of stuff. Welcome, uh, Dr. Delgado.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be with you.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I, I, um, I know many of our listeners have probably uh, heard you on the Catholic Answers live uh, program, and I wonder how, how did that originally uh, come about?
2: Well, Catholic Answers is based in San Diego County, so I had some um, connections with them in the past, and it probably wasn't when Jerry Usher was still doing the show. Uh, he or someone there asked me if I would uh, mind being interviewed, and uh, I agreed and got a lot of calls. And I liked it, and so I continued on during uh, Patrick uh, Coffin's tenure and then now with Cy right. So So it's, it's been a long time. It's been very fruitful. I've also done a few audio recordings for them that they still sell now as, oh, as well as mm-hmm. a few live programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's very informative, and uh, I enjoy listening to it. Are, are you on at any particular uh, interval, or is it just an ad hoc sort of a
2: thing? I'm on now. I'm approximately quarterly.
1: Quarterly, and what's uh, what's the best time for people to uh, listen? Is it always at the same time?
2: It. I'm usually at the the show is the Pro Life Open Forum. It's usually on at uh, starting at six o'clock eastern time Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and then they have the second hour at seven o'clock eastern time so i'm using one of those
1: Mm -hmm. well that's um again that's a a very informative show and i hope people can uh, take a listen if they haven't already i asked you to come on um because of the abortion pill reversal uh project that you um have been involved with and actually it was one of the uh Uh, pioneering members. In fact, um, you kind of uh, threw out a request to uh, pro-life doctors across the country to um, uh, join you in that uh, project and that's how I first uh, uh, became aware and it's really timely now because the Massachusetts legislature, they're always trying to uh, expand abortion access and they're in the process of um, trying to uh, put through a bill mandating public universities to provide medical abortion um, to uh, students. Um, But before I go any further, um, could you explain a little bit to our listeners uh, what the uh, medical abortion uh, process is all about and how um, uh, abortion pill reversal works to uh, to counteract this?
2: It's important for our audience members to know that about... 50% 50% of all abortions these days in the United States are medical abortions. That is, no surgical procedure is done. Instead, a pill or a series of pills is taken. And probably 95 to 99% of those are mifepristone medical abortions. Mifepristone is the drug that formerly was known as RU-486.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mifepristone is a progesterone receptor blocker. What does that mean? It means that in the body, when it's ingested it blocks the effects of progesterone. And progesterone, as the name implies, progestation is a very essential hormone for the pregnancy to support the pregnancy or otherwise known as the gestation. Mm -hmm. If a woman has severe luteal phase defects and doesn't make enough progesterone, she will have a a very high risk of miscarriage and, and will likely miscarriage many of her um, babies because the progesterone is so essential. Right. So by blocking that progesterone, what happens? The mifepristone then causes the death of the embryo or the fetus, the preborn baby, because the placenta, when there's not enough progesterone around, it will separate from the wall of the uterus. And of course, the placenta is the lifeline of the preborn baby. When it separates from the wall of the uterus, it will, the, the pre-born baby will not get nutrition nor hydration, and it will die. Mm-hmm. By blocking progesterone, if a pristone does a few other things, it starts to stimulate uterine contractions, and the cervix will begin to soften and open up. So all of those things, uh, of course, are disastrous for the pre-born baby. That's how the medical abortion works. Right. There is a second set of pills, and those are four pills of a medicine called misoprostol, brand name is Cytotech. Those are taken 24 to 48 hours to stimulate contractions and to push all of the remains of the preborn baby out in case they didn't come out by themselves. So that one-two punch is how the medical abortion is accomplished. Right. If a woman takes the first medicine, the mithopristone, but has not taken the second medicine, the misoprostol, and changes her mind, she has a second chance at choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's where we offer abortion pill reversal. Mm-hmm. Because we can give the progesterone as an antidote to the mifepristone because both of them seek to attach to the same receptor. And one way you can think about receptors and hormones is that you can um, you can. Think of the hormone as a key fitting into a lock. And the lock is the receptor that um, where where the key lands or where the hormone lands. When you put a key into a lock and you turn it, what happens? A door opens. And that door opening is the hormone effect, the good thing that the progesterone does in the body.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now most, if not all of us, have had the experience of putting a key into a lock where the key fit into the lock, but it didn't turn the lock. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the door didn't open. That's what we call a false key. That's exactly what happens with the mifepristone. It goes onto the receptor, but it does not activate the receptor, so you do not get the hormone effect. That door right. does not open. Right. Now, fortunately, this is a dynamic process, so the key is going in and out of the lock, mm-hmm. it doesn't just stay there forever. So, when the key comes out, there's a chance that a good guy key, the progesterone, could enter the lock and then open mm-hmm. the door. So our theory is that we give supplemental progesterone. Therefore, there are more progesterone keys or progesterone molecules in front of the receptor. When the bad key comes out, then the good guy key goes in and turns the lock and the door opens. And we do that until the mifepristone washes out of the system. That's how abortion pill reversal works.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. It was really uh, providential that this uh, came to be. I think it... uh was a colleague of yours who first uh, tried it. And uh, the beauty of the, of the science he, that you just explained, he kind of reasoned that this uh, might work and uh, tried it. And in fact, it did work. This was uh, um, Dr. Harrison, is that right?
2: That's right, Dr. Matthew Harrison. He accomplished the very first uh, documented abortion pill reversal back in 2007-2008. Um,
1: He had been to um, uh, Omaha, as you had been to the uh, Pope Paul the Sixth Institute, and uh, learned all about progesterone and and, in treating things like corpus luteum defects. So it was um, it was very fortuitous that he had that knowledge. Did uh, it was uh, tell us a little bit about this, the story about how that all unfolded with this uh, particular uh, patient and then how you uh, became involved with it
2: well dr harrison uh, had a, a woman come into his office uh or into the local pregnancy center rather who had taken miffa and changed her mind mm-hmm. and she was asking for help to stop the abortion and he had never heard of this before because no one had ever documented it before right but he prayed about it and uh, god put the idea in his head uh, to use his knowledge of progesterone, along with his knowledge of how mifepristone works, and he gave her progesterone and was able to save the baby. And that baby now grew grew up into a little girl who's now uh, an, an older girl, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, c- c- almost uh, almost young lady, yeah. And so, th- so that was very very exciting. Uh, about a year and a half or so later, I came upon a very similar situation. I had not heard of Doctor Harrison's case at all. Oh, so so I was starting from scratch, just like he was. Oh, really? And this was um, this was a little different. There was not a woman who came into my office. I got a phone call from Terry Palmquist, who was a sidewalk counselor in Bakersfield, California.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I was in San Diego, California, and Terry would would be counseling women on the sidewalk going into abortion centers. At the same time, she had a website and a 1-800 number and carried a cell phone so she would field calls from all over the country of women seeking help Mm. she got a call from a woman in el paso texas who had taken mifepristone again had changed her mind and was wondering if she could stop her abortion terry had no idea so she called me because i had been a resource for her in the past when she had medical questions and i said well gosh terry i've never heard of anyone doing this but I stopped and thought about it, and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, again, I had done the Pope Paul VI Institute uh, course, and I was using progesterone in my practice. Mm-hmm. And I had studied and read about mifepristone since even before it was approved in the United States, which was approved in 2000. I had been reading about it even before then, because, of course, it had a lot of notoriety attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I knew exactly how mifepristone worked. Right. I knew how progesterone worked. So the Holy Spirit put those two yeah. data banks together, and, and I came up with the idea, well, why don't we treat her as if she had low progesterone and she was in a situation called threatened miscarriage, right. which I had treated, and probably, Mark, you've treated many, many times, Right. hundreds of times probably, if not mm-hmm. thousands.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah. the
2: next step was, well, she's in El Paso, Texas, however, and I'm <laughs> in San Diego, and so I got on the phone after looking up on some websites of NAPRO technology doctors, and I found Dr. Jonathan Bellacura in mm. El Paso, Texas.
3: Mm.
2: Dr. Bellacura had progesterone in her office. I came up with a protocol on the fly. She was willing to carry out that protocol, and she did, and we saved the baby. Yeah. And it was uh, wonderful. And About a year later, I got a picture in the mail with a, with a nice notation. It was a picture of the the baby we had saved, of the mother we had saved. We had saved her from the medical abortion complex, mm-hmm. and of Terry Palmquist. They had met at a conference, at a pro-life conference. They took a picture, and the mother, through Terry, sent it to me as a memento. Yeah. yeah. So that was just a, a wonderfully exciting episode. At that point, however, I didn't really know if this was going to work in many women, if it was just a fluke. Mm-hmm. So I still was... I was still a bit incredulous, didn't know if I was on to, or something or not. But people started hearing about this, and I started getting calls from around the country. Yeah. People asking for advice, hey, what did you do? hmm Women asking for help. And then after a while, we had a few cases t- uh, together. And then that's the point where I decided to write uh, the first article. I published it in the Annals of Pharmacotherapy, a peer-reviewed journal, mm-hmm. along with uh, Dr. Mary Davenport, another colleague. hmm then interest increased even more, and I realized that we, we needed to overcome a few obstacles. Yes. One is that women needed to find out about this sooner. And secondly, mm-hmm. we needed to have more doctors ready to go all around the country because every time we got a call from somewhere, we had to scramble to find a doctor in that area. Mm-hmm. So we established, in 2012, I established the network of the physicians and started recruiting doctors to join that network. Right. And at the same time, I established the website, Mm abortionpillreversal.com, as well as the 24-7 hotline. Then from 2012, it grew really organically. We, We tried to do a little bit of promotion, but not a whole lot. And by the time we got to 2017 or so, we knew that we were, Culture of Life Family Services was a local organization that was supporting a national and was now becoming an international effort. So we knew there was a little. It was a little bit of lopsidedness there,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then we came. Uh, entered into discussions with Heartbeat International. We had a very good relationship with them. We've been an affiliate for years, and they offered to take the the program from us and, and to continue to to manage it and to grow it. And they just wanted the medical protocols and the research to stay with me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So in doing that. Um, I needed a platform to continue that, so that's when I founded Steno Institute in 2018, the same time that um, Heartbeat International took over the network and the uh, the website and the hotline.
1: Yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, um, what? Uh, why the name uh, Steno? I understand it was named after a, a person by the name of uh, Nicholas Steno.
2: Right, Blessed Nicholas Steno, also uh, known as... Uh, Stenson. And those of you who are physicians or anatomists know that we have a Stenson's duct in our,
3: mm.
2: in our cheek, also known as the parotid duct. is oh, the duct okay. that drains the parotid gland. Well, in Latin, that's called the duct of Steno, because Steno is his name in Latin. Mm. So I thought Steno was a better-sounding name, and it, um, the reason I chose him as the patron was because he was a man of both faith and reason.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He was a 17th-century Dane, and grew up Lutheran, of course, uh, since he was in Denmark.
3: Mm. He was a great
2: physician and scientist. Besides being a great anatomist, he's also known as the father of modern paleontology. Mm. In fact, if you do an internet search on him, you'll find uh, more, more things on paleontology about him. Mm. But he was a, a great anatomist and physician. and He went to southern Europe to, be the, um, to do research and also to be the, the royal physician for di- in different courts in, in Europe. When he was there, he became uh, very attracted to Catholicism, Mm. especially because he witnessed uh, Eucharistic uh, processions and Eucharistic adoration. Mm -hmm. So the Lord really drew him closer to himself. At that point, he decided he would give up his scientific endeavors and committed all of his time to studying theology and Mm. essentially became a theologian. Soon thereafter, he converted to Catholicism, And then he was ordained and eventually was named a bishop. As a bishop, he was very pious. He sold his pectoral cross to uh, give money to the poor. Hmm. He would go and visit his uh, flock in the rain in a a carriage without a top on it, really sacrificing his health and Hmm. uh, his comfort in order to minister to his people. Hmm. So this, to me, was the perfect uh, role model for Steno Institute and for all those seeking to help women, to give them a second chance
1: at choice. A second chance at choice. This concludes part one of my interview with Dr. George Delgado. People who promote abortion say they are pro-choice. However, when the second chance at choice is actually a second chance at life, those who profit from abortion, those who profit from death, become enraged. Like a dragon hurled to the earth, they become angry with the woman, and they wage war with her offspring. The dragon has waged war with Dr. Delgado, which you will hear about next time in Part 2 of the interview. The culture of death attempts to turn the womb into a tomb. The culture of life seeks to transform this tomb back into a life-nurturing womb. Contemplating this reminded me of the Easter sequence, Victime Pascale or Paschal Victim. Part of that sequence goes like this: Death with life contended, Combat strangely ended, Life's own champion slain, Yet lives to reign. Tell us, Mary, say what thou didst see upon the way: The tomb the living did enclose, I saw Christ's glory as he rose. Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect. And at the very least, we should first do no harm.
2: First do no harm with Dr. Mark Rolo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg.
3: We are very happy to share it with other networks.
0: Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rolo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrolo978 at gmail.com. That's M A R K R O L O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember first, do no harm.